Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All set for your flight? Yep, I've got everything I need. Eye mask, neck pillow, T-Mobile, headphones. Wait, T-Mobile? You bet. Free in-flight Wi-Fi. 15% off all Hilton brands. I never go anywhere without T-Mobile. Same goes from a water bottle, chewing gum, nail clippers, okay, passport. Okay, I'm gonna leave you to it. Find out how you can experience travel better at T-Mobile.com slash travel. Qualifying plan required. Wi-Fi were available on select U.S. airlines. Deposit and Hilton Honors membership required for 15% discount. Terms and conditions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is good, everybody? Welcome to Stats and Cone and the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. He's Grant Cone. Grant, it's Wednesday. The Niners have won 14 straight games. Life is pretty good in San Francisco right now. Well, I don't know about Santa, San Francisco, but it's definitely good in Santa Clara, where they had Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out Burger and the 49ers in Great America. Like, it's all coming together for them now. They got it all. You are there. Obviously, huge game this week. Does it feel different in San like just because it's Cowboys week right now? Well, I haven't gone yet. It'll be this afternoon. I haven't been there yet. I'll let you know. I'll, let me get back to you on that one. But I expect it will feel different because it's Cowboys week. Yes, I feel like the first. I feel like the the schedule starts today. You know what I mean? It's interesting because <laughs> the Cowboys have done nothing but hand out flowers, talking about the 49ers. Jerry Jones called this a measuring Smart. stick game. He said a win would be inspirational. They he literally said we're measuring ourselves against the 49ers. It's interesting. Like the Cowboys, clearly they're up for it. They have said, Mike McCarthy has said, this is not just a regular season game, all that stuff. Do you think the 49ers, that it means more to the 49ers as well? Or do you think that's just coming from the Cowboys end? I think this game means more to the Cowboys than it means to the Niners, right? Because the Cowboys haven't been able to beat the Niners. And if the, the Niners lose this game, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're worse than the Cowboys. But the Cowboys, if they lose this game, like they're going to tell themselves, we can't beat this team can't beat the Niners our only chance to get to the Super Bowl is if we miss them at some point or someone else knocks them off so it's a huge game uh for them and I think it's interesting knowing like this Niners team has a distinct personality Kittle use check been here seven years they've been like on the doorstep they want their credit they want their flowers they've sort of accepted their flowers a little prematurely sometimes and they have big big egos no no disrespect so I think the best thing to do when you play the Niners who are really good is don't say that they're not as good as they think they are. Say that they're better than they think they are. You know what I mean? Really, really play into their egos. And the Niners would be like, yeah, I don't know. Albert watching on YouTube says this game is the Super Bowl for Dallas. It probably is because we know they ain't getting to the NFC championship game. So this is as close as they're getting. Um, I'm fascinated this week because of Brock. Brock's playing the Cowboys again. It was his worst game as a pro against the Cowboys last year in the playoffs. Dan Quinn, I think, really has a, a better bead on Kyle Shanahan than other defensive coordinators around the league, whether it's because he worked with them, whatever the case may be. They scored 19 last year in the playoffs. They scored 23, I believe, the year before in the playoffs. 
Niners are putting up 30 plus on everybody else. So I'm fascinated to see what Brock learns and how he looks playing the Cowboys for a second time. Cowboys are unique on defense because a, they have like the best pass rush or one of the best pass rushes. So you don't have much time. And unlike the rest of the league, which is playing sort of soft too deep safety coverage, sort of encouraging the check down the Vic Fangio defense, the Cowboys play a lot of aggressive middle of field closed, uh, cover one, cover three type stuff. The league is sort of trended away from there because the whole thing is, you know, don't give up explosive plays, force the check down. Well, if you do that against the 49ers, Brock Purdy will beat you. I mean, he's proven it like time and time again. He's not really trying to go down the field that much. He, he'll take the short throw to Christian McCaffrey over and over and over again and kill you. So, I, I mean, like, if that's the trend of the league right now, the too deep stuff, the, the soft too deep stuff, Brock is just perfect to, def- to destroy that stuff. Once you get a def- uh, defense with a real pass rush that's actually playing aggressive and trying to take away the middle of the field and force you to go outside the f- numbers deep, I mean, that's the best way to defend Brock. Doesn't mean it'll work, but it was somewhat successful last time, 19 points they faced when they faced each other. I think Ayuk is going to be huge in this game because he's somebody that can win one-on-one on the outside. Obviously, the injury to Diggs is massive. It, it changes a lot of what the Cowboys want to do on defense. But we're still learning about Brock Purdy. And I'm fascinated to see what he looks like in this. Now he knows what to expect. He seems to have picked up right where he left off last year. I mean, it's pretty damn impressive. Literally one incompletion last week. You know, for years, we talked about how the Niners roster is so stacked and they have the advantage everywhere except quarterback. I'll just ask you right now, Grant, the best quarterback on the field at Levi's on Sunday is probably Brock. Probably. I, I'm not really, I'm down on Dak. I feel like his best days are behind him since he tore, since he broke his leg and got all that money. I feel like he's real tentative and safety first on the field and doesn't move that well anymore. And Commits a lot of mistakes. Brock Purdy doesn't. I mean, Brock Purdy has limitations, but he seems much more confident, much more courageous on the field than Dak at this point. So I'll take Brock. I mean, I think what's really interesting is that defenses have all sort of decided that Vic Fangio has the right approach. You should be playing two deep safeties and forcing the check down. It's like, because offenses will make the the mistake eventually. How many quarterbacks can execute long drives consistently? Well, Brock's one of them. (laughs) Yeah. He is one of them. So stop daring him to beat you that way. I feel like what happens is these teams don't really do game plan specific stuff until the playoffs. They're like, okay, well, these are our defensive principles. We're not going to change them for one game. Like, well, you better, you better against the Niners. Otherwise Brock will, you know, dink and dunk you to death to use a pejorative. Like they're effective. If you're checking down to Christian McCaffrey and the defense is playing way back, like that's effective. You need to really challenge Brock. And I think the Cowboys are like the only team that has. And we'll, you know they're going to. Oh, well, you know. I mean, the right side of that offensive line is begging for Micah Parsons to just terrorize them. I would not want to be Colton McKibbins this week. You remember but... what he did to Mike McGlinchey in the playoffs last year. He was airborne, parallel to the ground. I've never seen that. And Mike McGlinchey is like 6'9", too. Mike McGlinchey is yeah. not a small human being. And Micah Parsons just absolutely annihilated him. Uh, yeah. How about this? Cube ZB says, my girlfriend for 11 years is a ragingly passionate Cowboys fan. We can't watch our games together. Breaks my heart to see her cry. This game could end relationships. I don't think it breaks his heart, though, because he had like the crying laughing emojis. It was like a ha 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 ha. Yeah, you got to watch. I would hope. I think you guys are going to be okay. I think you guys are going to be okay. If it's if it's lasted 11 years and you've beaten the Cowboy, you've ended the Cowboy season too straight. I think you can get through it and figure it out. I think so. I wonder if you'll indulge me in a little bit of an exercise when looking at this game. We already talked about the quarterback. You said it was Purdy. The best running back on the field in this game is McCaffrey. McCaffrey. The best receiver on the field right now in this game. Ayuk. Ayuk. I'll take Ayuk over CeeDee Lamb and CeeDee Lamb is damn good. Yes. I think career-wise, obviously, I would give Lamb the leg up. But right now in this moment, I think it's Ayuk. And yeah. that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah. You know, you know what Purdy's passer rating is when he's targeting uh, Ayuk this year? Oh, it's perfect. He's caught every, has he caught like every target? 17 of 20. <laughs> Crazy, man. Ayuk has played in three games. He set his career high in receiving twice so far this year. Yeah. 
Guy Zach. is not messing around. And can I just point out, like, this is a real thing, and it's human nature, but, like, Kittle and Debo have gotten paid already. So I'm not saying they're complacent, but they can't – there's no way that they can muster up the hunger and the anger that Brandon Ayuk has naturally right now. And maybe Ayuk will never have it again, but this is, like, this is a special time in an athlete's career. Like, this is it. This is the moment for Brandon Ayuk, and he's not – he's just getting started. Like, he's going to keep doing this. It's going to be cool to watch this year. Do people, like, do you really think of what, we can't really link it to, uh, maybe if you work on commission, I guess it's a little different, but like in, in, in regular jobs, your day-to-day performance, millions of dollars we're talking about for Ayuk. Every game, there's millions of dollars at stake, whether he can perform because he's going to, you know, hopefully hit the free agent market. Like that kind of, pressure and urgency you're right it's different for Ayuk than it is for Debo it's different than Kittle. it just is yeah. it, there's no way around it um and he's crushing it right now and especially he's got to feel frustrated he's got to feel like he was held back like hey I was always capable of this but Kyle put me in the doghouse we've had quarterbacks that could not get me the ball consistently finally now this is my chance and he's making the most of it and like it's like Debo and Kittle have already had their come up. They got like Debo had that incredible 2021 season. Kittle had the incredible back-to-back 2018-2019 seasons. They they grinded, they did what they had to do. They have generational wealth. So anything they do on top of that is gravy. Like Ayuk knows that this is the year. Like all he has to do is grind and and be focused and do his best and in like 6 months, 7 months, 8 months He's going to get generational wealth and maybe he'll keep playing the same way after that. But like if anyone's ever had like, like a come up, you know, that like during that time, you probably had a focus that you've never had for that thing ever. And once you make it, maybe it's harder to keep that focus because, you know, whatever. But right now, if our human nature as a, as a coach, just knowing what Ayuk has in front of him man, call that man's number. Call that and, man's number. You could trust him. And it's not just as a receiver. Look at his blocking this year, too. Like, it's every aspect of football right now. And you're right. Take advantage of Full it. Full effort every day. You watch You watch Debo Samuel. Like, JTO Sullivan points this out all the time. His he show is so good. Can't recommend it enough. JTO. But everyone's watching that now. It's taking off. But he, he, he mostly looks at quarterbacks. And while he's looking at quarterbacks, he's like, can we just talk about Debo for a second? You tell me. You tell me. He, he won't even. He's so diplomatic. You tell me. Is he running as hard as he can? Like when he's not getting the ball, a lot of times he's like kind of seventy-five percent in it through routes, and you don't see that from Brandon Ayuk. Um, Debo doesn't get so put maybe, in the doghouse for that though. Ayuk did, but Debo didn't get put. So in the weird. Debo can do no wrong. Ayuk, like Debo, is like King David. You know what I mean? King David did all kind of foul stuff, and God's like, "You're still my favorite." Moses like delivered the Jews from Egypt and like got mad at. God, one time when he was old and like, God was like, what'd you say? Excuse me? Oh, you, uh, you don't get to go to the promised land. God. <laughs> You're going biblical Sorry. on us on the program. Biblical. I love it. Uh, have to. Watching on YouTube says, does Brock Purdy avoiding an interception give him more credibility? That's going to be huge on Sunday. The Cowboys defense is built on forcing turnovers. They've led the league in turnovers the past two seasons, which nobody had done since the Steelers in the 70s. If right. you don't turn the ball over against the Cowboys, you can move the ball on them. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how people decide the best way to defend Brock Purdy is like, he's so good at scrambling. It's a tough one. Like I, I almost feel like what teams used to do to Drew Brees is they'd rush three, rush three and drop eight in the coverage and just sort of like put five underneath. Like you can't throw short, dude. I'm not letting you throw five underneath three deep. What are you going to do? I'd be interesting to see teams do that to Purdy. Like, eventually, you gotta sort of take away his strengths. You know he's deadly short and intermediate. He's freaking deadly short and intermediate. You gotta sort of test that arm and see if he can get the ball to the sideline and down the field. And he probably will a few times, and you're gonna lose anyway. Now's the time to save thirty percent on wedding jewelry only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. 
Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Trey watching on YouTube says, Grant, please ask Kyle if the Trey Lance trade to Dallas could hurt them in this matchup with all the knowledge Trey has to give the Dallas defense. Brian Schottenheimer uh, was talking about that after the game last week for the Cowboys. If you watched my 49ers and five episode today, you saw the the comment from him. He kind of laughed and said like, yeah, Trey knows a little, but like Kyle Shanahan was on Dan Quinn's staff. Like they don't need Trey Lance to get infill on Kyle Shanahan. So I think that's a little overblown. Can you imagine if I asked this question today, what Kyle's answer would be? Hey, Kyle, you concerned that Trey Lance has get, has like sort of given up your all your secrets? How much can Trey Lance ruin your game? He would just look at me like, yeah, you know, I don't know. He'd give a really snarky response. Trey Niners, I respect you, man, but I feel like I'm not going to ask this question because it would. You should. It wouldn't go well for me. You should ask it because what if Kyle's like, uh, he couldn't learn the system when he was here, so I'm not too worried about it. You know, like, what if he throws out something like that? I'm just saying. All right, let yeah. me think about it. Let me think about <laughs> it. Yeah. Because you're right. I feel like he would get snarky because, like, I'm sure he feels oh. like, like, you think someone's got the secrets on me. I mean, and that that's yeah. the other thing, too. Like, teams spend all week, every week, studying Kyle Shanahan's system. All the games are on tape. It's all public stuff, but yeah, Trey Lance is going to provide some sort of secret that that other teams can't discover? No. And That's by the way, the Cowboys, the Niners signed also, Anthony Brown, who's been with the Cowboys forever, so that could go both good ways. Point. I could. And also, Dan Quinn's been doing really well without Trey Lance, uh, game planner for Kyle Shanahan since they split up. 2019, when he was in Atlanta. Last two years with uh, Dallas. Like He's done a really good job. Yeah, like we said, he's he knows his stuff. Uh, Flavor Reborn Restorations YouTube channel member. Grant YouTube channel member, by the way, if you would like to be a YouTube channel member for me and the gold standard, it's less than $3 a month to get custom emojis, membership badges, priority comment response. Please consider. And if you want to follow from me on Twitter, I will happily give one to you. Vish always makes me include that in the thing. So there you go. The question, did you two watch J.T. O'Sullivan's breakdown? Yes, we did. Brock's one incompletion was a busted play by Kyle. I remember watching that live, Grant. That's the play where McCaffrey motions out to the left, and then he's just like five yards deep in the slot, and then he tries to that run like so a quick out, and the Niners get blitzed, and Grant just basically dirt, uh, Brock just dirts it. Weird yeah, play. That was a terrible call. And it was like third and 24, right? Yeah. Yeah. So his one incomplete pass was on third and 24? He threw, it was third and 24, and then Kyle called a timeout to avoid a delay of game, which I was pissed about. Like, what, dude, what are you worried? Third and 24, third and 29. Like, you're worried yeah. about the five yard. You're not getting it. Save the timeout. But anyway, it didn't matter. But, and it's yeah, like that, he was this close, you know, to having a second touchdown pass, but it was just like slightly backwards. So it counted as a run. Yeah. Brock. Yeah. Could have been more. Oh, well. The, the JT O'Sullivan breakdowns are fascinating. Um, watching, so good. Can we talk about all the things we like about them? Like a free advertising for JTO? Like, first of all, they're extremely insightful. So you learn not only about what the quarterback does well and doesn't do well, but you learn about offenses. He diagrams the plays. He, he tries to explain the progressions. And then he takes it to the next level where he talks about whether he likes the design of the play, whether it makes sense, his preferences. And then he asks you what you think. Like, it is everything I would want to do if I were qualified to do the stuff he's doing. The fact that he's doing it that well, I think kind of is like going to shut everyone down. Like, man, I don't even, I'm not going to touch this Brock Purdy film. Like, I'm just going to watch JTL and learn with the rest of you guys. He's that good. There's Shout a lot of JT. The, a lot of these comments in the chat. JTL Sullivan was a bust. He was a bum. It doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's talking about. There's a difference between understanding concepts and offenses and how that works and being able to physically execute it on the field. Yeah, yeah, he was not a very good quarterback, but he still knows offenses and how to do it. Like, I hate them. People just ignore that stuff like, oh, he can't possibly have anything good to say because he wasn't a Hall of Famer. He's the best at this. He may not have been the best NFL quarterback, but when it comes to breaking down the coach's tape of all the quarterbacks every week, who's doing it better than J.T. O'Sullivan? No one else is even committed to doing it. Like, this dude is really grinding. 
And just because he didn't necessarily play at the highest level in the NFL, you can watch his analysis for yourself and judge how good it is. And like, there are other guys who dabble. Kurt Warner do it. It will do it here and there. Yep. Hall of Fame quarterback, way better than J.T. O'Sullivan. But when you watch Kurt Warner's analysis, it's excellent, but it's much less candid. It's much more positive. This guy's good. That guy's good. I want to be diplomatic. And that's great. But you got to appreciate someone like J.T. O'Sullivan who is not doing that and is much more honest and entertaining. Astro says Kyle Shanahan was a bust at wide receiver. That's right. Does Kyle not know offense? Does he not know how to break stuff down? I don't know if he was a bust. I mean, his leg was literally impaled on an iron fence. So that, you know, tends to damage your football. Did you not hear that story? I remember that story. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. A little nasty, grizzly injury. Um, I forgot that one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely really weird. But no, the, the JT O'Sullivan video breakdowns are great. And the one thing that they have taught me about Brock, and I think this is the area where you know, we talk about like, how can Brock improve? There are still times where he's misreading certain plays and not seeing certain things or just hesitant to throw the ball. Now, the good news for the 49ers is most of the time he checks it down to Christian McCaffrey, who still gains, you know, 10 yards, eight yards, whatever it is. But there is room for for him to improve to where he can get even better than what we've seen. And it seems like what JT O'Sullivan is focused on with Brock and impressed about with Brock is his footwork. He's always mentioning like, look, the guy schemed open. It's not a long throw, but just watch his feet. They're perfect. He's in the perfect throwing position all the time. No wasted motion. But, and that's why someone with limited arm strength can have enough zip to make most of 95% of the throws required in this offense. But when it's time to throw deep, JT O'Sullivan also points out like, look at how he clicks his feet. That's a new concept that I never thought about but like clicking the whole idea is you have your base set up and once you bring your feet together now you have to find it again and you're looking and you're going to lose it so you want to sort of keep your feet in your throwing position and he almost like crow hops into his deep throws because obviously he's trying to you know get his whole body into it and, and he doesn't have that much arm strength he's going to get the whole thing so um in the effort to really get some mustard on his throws it seems like he compromises a little bit of accuracy not all the time but sometimes, and JTO Sullivan points it out, it's always nice to know, like, why things are happening. Like, I would yes. love to see someone put together a video of Nick Bosa's rushes from a game. Be like, look, I know he's only had two sacks in the last nine games. It's very un-Nick Bosa. Uh, let's look and see what he's doing. Like, is anything, like, are, are, is he different? Are offenses uh, blocking him differently? Or is nothing different happening and he's just like a tick away from getting these sacks and it's going to happen next week? Like if someone would do that video, man, that would get 100,000 views. Just saying. Intelligent Don't AJ out there. says Johnny Dell football does a great job as well. Can we talk about For the sure. thing? Because I've heard people say that like, oh, well, he's he's really close and the sacks will come. It's like that's not really how it works. You either get there or you don't get there. And I'm not saying he doesn't have an impact on the game because he does. And I'm he not does. saying he's been really good this year because he has. Because he is. But he's not getting sacks. And, you, and this was going back to last year, too. You have to eventually get there. Quarterbacks can still complete passes under pressure, as we have seen, because the 49ers are pressuring the hell out of people. You have to get sacks. You have to sacks kill drives. Sacks kill scoring opportunities. And just because he's been close doesn't mean he's going to get them and he needs to get them. I mean, the Niners didn't make him the highest paid non-quarterback ever because he's generating pressure. Right. Because he sets the edge. It's because he was getting like a, a sack a game for, for years. And now it's been two sacks in the last nine games going back to the regular season last year. It's like, what? What is going on? I, you've never had a drought like this ever. So I'd like to know the answer. I mean, maybe it's a fluke or maybe something changed. Maybe the the league has, a, you know, a better plan for Bosa now, or maybe he's not quite what he was before. I want to know. I guess we all got to look at the tape and decide for ourselves, but it'd be nice to have someone who like really, 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 really knew to look at it. Clarsard 49 says Bosa's having a Debo 2022 season. Hmm. That. But it went back to last year, too. I'm telling you, he had no sacks in the playoffs last year. Like, what's up? What's up? Again, sacks are not everything. It's not but, everything. But they're not. But, but for Bosa, they came so easily for so long. So right. consistently. You're now not. His only sack this year was a play that he literally wasn't blocked. Like, what? What? It's yeah. been a quarter of the year. 
And maybe like, there'll be a little extra juice from him this week because Parsons is on the other side and he won the defensive player of the year. And if it sure. feels like this year that Parsons is going to win the award, like everybody's like, okay, you didn't get it last year, but you were really good. Mm-hmm. So we'll give it to you this year. So it'd be nice to see Bosa step it up a little bit in prime time. Yeah, it sure would. I mean, talking about all this pressure that the Niners defensive line is generating, man, Josh Dobbs kind of diced him up. I mean, he, he, they only scored 16 points, but like he completed 70% of his throws. He threw two touchdowns, uh, no picks, 200 something yard. Like he's just, he's just Josh Dobbs, like was fifth or sixth career start. And he did just fine against a supposedly elite defense. So that he would have done worse with some sacks. I go back and forth on that. Um, because, yeah, I've said the same thing about the defense. Like, you gave up a 99-yard drive for a touchdown. They had multiple drives, I think three or four in a row that were 10-plus plays. But, like you said, at the end of the day, they only gave up 16 points, which is really, really good. The most points the Niners defense has given up in a game this year is 23, which is incredible. But it does it does feel different. And maybe that's just my issue that I have to just get over. But it doesn't feel like the defense is at the level that it has been in recent years. Well, the, the pass rush definitely isn't. I mean, in terms of sack rate, which is like sacks per dropback, they're 28th. 28th! After all they've spent on that position, like, I, it should be better. Now, now they're still overall an elite defense, but at the same time, they haven't faced a good team yet. And there's only a couple good teams in the NFC anyway. So we'll see. Like, these are issues that are only going to crop up here and there. And all it takes is them to crop up in the, you know, at the wrong time in a pre in a playoff game. And that's that. So they got to take this stuff seriously. To be fair, Javon Hargrave has been fantastic. Like yeah. you mentioned the, the amount of money that they spent. He's been doing just damn fine. Um, he certainly has what three sacks in four games. Yeah. He's got as many sacks as 49ers defensive tackles did all of last year. And that's all and of he's them. been the one like, so <laughs> like Drake Jackson had those sacks in week one, but they were kind of like, you know, right place, right time, right, right place, right time. Yes. And he hasn't had much of anything since then. Uh, Armstead, Kinlaw, pressure, no sacks. Bosa, pressure, no sacks. Hargrave producing. And again, maybe if we watch the all 22, we're going to see that Bosa is drawing so much attention that Hargrave's getting one-on-ones and making people pay. Like that's the most likely explanation for what's going on. Trey Niner says, have you noticed Kyle has been more aggressive with his game management than in years past? I have. Uh, he's yeah. trust Rock and Christian McCaffrey to get whatever yardage is needed. He's actually gone to yeah. Kittle a couple of times on fourth down, which has been great. I love it, Kyle. Keep doing it. And by the way, they did it against Arizona. They got a touchdown on that drive. And for part of that game, I was like, damn, if they had punted or kicked a field goal on that drive, this is a totally different game. Like, it helps you. Please keep it up, Kyle Shanahan, because that was a huge weakness in his game management. And it seems like this year, at least, he's a little more willing to roll the dice. Well, I think you got to remember like how quickly Kyle Shanahan lost trust in Jimmy Garoppolo and how quickly he was he soured on him. Like yeah. had that great fight great had that great run in 2017, came back in 2018 supposedly learning the offense, went one and two it and it was bad. Got hurt, then came back in 2019, he had that practice where he threw five picks in a row, played terribly in the preseason, and yep. I think Kyle panicked. I mean, not panicked, but I think he saw Jimmy for what he is. And say, this is not a good quarterback. I have to now make this team all about defense and the run game. And that 2019 team was all about avoiding Jimmy Garoppolo as much as possible, especially when the playoffs started. Hiding Jimmy. And that's what Kyle's been doing for years. It's why they tried to, you know, it's why they traded for Trey Lance. He didn't want to hide his quarterback anymore. So finally, as a quarterback, he feels he doesn't have to hide. And he has a running back who he probably feels is every bit as good as any running back. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, so he should feel confident. He doesn't have to win that way anymore. Like he can win with his offense now. And if he's, I mean, he, sh- he knows that it's good to see he, him embrace it. He's an offensive coach. He's talked about, you know, he, he always mentions this as like a point of pride. He thinks it's like such a big deal about how we you know when he was an offensive coordinator. All he wanted to do was score points all the time. And that's always his only concern. But when you're a head coach and you grow and you complimentary shoot, football, you realize that you call plays to win games, not to you score. You realize points. that Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback and you better be right. careful. 
yeah. what he was saying. And he even said it. He's like, I realized that all we got to do is not screw this up or we're going to win this game. And I think that reflected in his play calling. And now I think not it's screw this up. What he said, we not screw this up, that we is yeah. a euphemism for number 10. It really, I think it's, he now realizes that it's the other way around. Like our offense can score some points yeah. and our, we might have to score one more time to help protect the defense a little bit. And you know what? If he thinks that way, and based on what we've seen this year, I don't think he's totally wrong. Have you looked at Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers this year? Isn't he leading the league in interceptions? It's six through three games. Six through three games. And his quarterback rating is 81. Like, everything we thought we knew about Jimmy Garoppolo was true. And that's and, and he's tanking away from this team, this defense, this supporting cast, and this coach. So that's all I want to do is keep him like, I'm not saying you don't have to enjoy the Brock Purdy experience or you have to like be super skeptical when you're sitting with your friends and being like, look, I know he's super great right here, but no, like, no, you don't know. But just keep in mind that Jimmy put up like the same numbers as Brock in this offense last year. And now he's tanking. So I'll just stop talking there. That's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so damn, 2021. Whew. 20 of 21 broke Steve Young's record for single game completion percentage. Christian McCaffrey's breaking Jerry Rice's record. I mean, it, I'm it's, so I'm so glad JTO Sullivan found time to make fun of that play, though. That was the one incomplete pass. It was like, look, you guys were pretty much dialed in on offense. There's not much I can say to make fun of you guys, but I got to balance this out. I got this. He what is that formation? He just was I've never seen it crouched there for three or four seconds. Silly. You're trying to run a quick out, but because he's starting five yards in the backfield, it's not a quick out anymore. It's a deep out because you got to run 10 yards to get to get to the damn marker. That was very silly. Yeah. Is that, was, uh, who, who makes the, who does the pass game for the Niners? Uh, um, Sloak's gone, right? It's one of the Kubiaks. Is it the Kubiak? Yeah. It's one of the yeah. Kubiak. I can't really keep track right. of all the Kubiaks, but yeah. yeah. And then Forster Clint, does the, uh, Clay. Does. How many K yeah. names are there? Kevin. Too many. Yeah, a lot. Um, is there anything else you want to get to about either what we've seen so far or about the Dallas game? Because if not, there is a certain topic that a lot of people are asking us to talk about in the chat, which let's I do want to. Let's talk about the certain topic that people, because I don't even know. Okay. So this Ooh. comment is from Masters Afara, or other people have brought it up. Did you watch Richard Sherman's interview with Jimmy Ward? Jimmy let the cat out of the bag. Finally. Did you watch the interview on the Sherman podcast? First of all, I watched the last 15, 10, 15 minutes where he talked about his final season with the Niners and how he ended up in Houston. So it's fascinating. If you didn't see it, basically the Niners are, are going in the season and Jimmy Ward, you know, he gets hurt and he comes back and they want him to play nickel and he does not want to do that, which we knew. But apparently in the Buccaneers game, they asked him to play nickel corner and Jimmy Ward said, no, he said, I don't want to be at nickel corner when D'Amico Ryan's asked him. And when Kyle Shanahan found out about it, he said, well, I guess we'll just have to put Aziz at corner, meaning Aziz Alshire. And Jimmy Ward's response was, yeah, I guess you will. <laughs> just yeah. pretty good. Now, good Jimmy luck. Ward forcing a fumble in that game. And so that it wasn't really a thing. But afterwards, he and Kyle Shanahan talked and Kyle said, hey, you know, you really kind of hurt me that you wouldn't go to nickel corner. And Jimmy Ward told him, like, you guys have been jerking me around with my position for years. I don't want to do yeah. it. I don't forget about that stuff. And Ward said from that point on in that season, they didn't talk anymore. There was no more communication between Jimmy Ward and Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, like, wasn't there something uh, Jimmy came in and said, like, I don't want to. I don't want to play. Like, I only want to play safety. And Kyle's like, all right, so you don't want to start? Like, you don't want to start then? And Jimmy's like, okay, fine. Like, yeah, I don't want to start. I'll play, I'll play special teams. Like, that's fine. And then Kyle's like, hey, why don't you just take, you know, take the 48 hour rule, think about it. And I guess Jimmy swallowed his pride and played nickel. Then something like Kyle came up to him and wanted to talk about something. And Jimmy was like, hey, man, why don't you just take the 48 hour rule and leave me alone? And they never talked again. Isn't that what he said? I didn't catch that last part, but I, to be fair, I haven't watched the whole interview. He turned, it. he turned it on Kyle, I believe. Kyle wanted to come up and say to him something, and Jimmy's like, hey, hey, why don't we just do that 48-hour rule? And then Kyle never came up to him again. They never spoke to each other again. And That's apparently what happened was Jimmy said, like, he felt bad that he went over D'Amico's head, but he also knew that D'Amico was going to say, it's not up to me, it's up to Kyle. And when he, then he went to D'Amico afterward, 
And D'Amico said, hey, man, if I get a head, uh, head coaching job, I'm bringing you on as a safety. So that's what he did. And that's so, so, so one man's stubbornness is another man's gain. You know, for a guy that gets a lot of love for how he's his relationship with players and all of that stuff, you know, nobody bats a thousand, I guess. There's always going to be guys where you butt heads, but that's an interesting thing. And then the other interesting part of that, and keep in mind, by the way, that Tampa Bay game was week 11. There was a lot of the season left for them not to be communicating. But anyway, Jimmy worked like, that team okay. was three, like the like the the Texans. They were three and thirteen last year. They were four and thirteen. They were th- three thirteen and one last year. Four and thirteen last the year before that, and four and twelve before that. Now they're two and two. D'Amico's doing pretty good. Jimmy Ward's doing pretty good. You got to give them credit. Like what he's building over there seems like it might be something. Cosmo says that looks worse on Ward. Just just the Shanahan Ward interaction. Who do you think Hard looks worse in that exchange? Kyle. Like you are the leader. You need to communicate. And you had this like uh, Cold War standoff with Jimmy Ward, who was totally in the right. It's like you have been jerking him around for years. You have been moving him around. And he's been like the good soldier. And what did he get out of it? Not much. So not anymore. Not anymore. And I th- what I noticed was when Jimmy Ward was telling his story, Richard Sherman was the one interviewing him. And he played for Kyle Shanahan for two years. And... He didn't seem to disagree with Jimmy Ward. In fact, he seemed like he had a big grin on his face and was like, yeah, man, why don't we, why, why don't you tell the world what Kyle Shanahan's really like, Jimmy Ward? It seems to me that Kyle Shanahan has his favorites on the team who he sort of caters to and makes sure that they like him. check, Kittle, like, you know, Trent, Bosa. But there's these second-tier players who are somewhat replaceable or they feel overlooked. Aziz, Jimmy, and then they're gone. It's like it's it's like Kyle makes it clear, like, look, man, we need you, but not that much, and we're not gonna keep. Like, we might just have to replace you with someone cheaper, like Deshaun Gibson or Oren Burks. Like, sorry, it's the way it is. Um, you're not part of the the family, and I think those guys are the ones who feel a little like, okay, so there's like two classes of players on this team, and I'm not. I don't know. Like, you see that. The other part of it is they asked, they said, oh, look, Jimmy, we need you to play nickel because Ambry Thomas's ankle is a little messed up. And Jimmy Ward is like, wait a minute, my hand no, he is says, broken. He said, no, they need, you need to play corner because Ambry Thomas is, I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if he meant nickel or he, he made it sound like they wanted him to play outside, okay. which he did when he was younger. I don't know. I have to ask him. And uh, he was like, I got a broken hand. I'm, you know, I'm out here with a busted hand and, and Ambry Thomas has got a little ankle and he can't go. And it makes me wonder if maybe the Niners just, they knew then with Ambry Thomas, he ain't it. This guy ain't it. Uh, well, Cause he's been struggling this year too. The Niners want to make themselves seem like they're a, a pro player organization. Like they take care of their players. You know, they, they took care of Trey Lance when it was t- when the writing was on the wall, they did right by him, but it's like, no, they does didn't. Jimmy Ward agree with that? Does Richard Sherman agree with that? I mean, like, once you're no longer in super uh, indispensable to the Niners, like, they will jerk you around. Ask Jimmy Ward. I mean, Kyle Shanahan used to say stuff like, he's my favorite player in the team. Like, I, I want to give his jersey to my son, all that stuff. It's like, okay, but when you talk to Jimmy about your relationship, he feels unappreciated. Straight up. Uh, he uh, was okay. never in, in Cabo. He didn't make the cut. You don't think he noticed? I'm sure he did. Uh, Jose Batista says they're trying to hide the fact that they spent a third-round pick on Ambry Thomas and he ain't living up to it. There's no hiding it anymore. Secret's out. Other teams know it. When Ambry Thomas is on the field, that's where we're going with the ball. But the other part of the Jimmy Ward thing is he said, in so many, he didn't expressly say this, but basically his point was when Jimmy Garoppolo didn't suit up in the NFC Championship game, he thought that maybe it might have been because yeah. there was friction there between Shanahan and Garoppolo because Ward said it looked to me like Jimmy could have played, could have suited up. And we know through Tim Kawakami's reporting and others that that it ended badly between the Niners and, and Jimmy Garoppolo, between Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. And just when you consider everything that went down in that game, if Jimmy Garoppolo could have suited up in that game and didn't because of some friction between him and the organization or him and Kyle Shanahan, and they lost the game because they ran out of quarterbacks, that's bad. Very bad. Essentially, Kyle Shanahan's, whatever you want to say, ego or inability to communicate or whatever, cost the Niners 
a Super Bowl last year or a Super Bowl appearance potentially. It's too bad. And I think what Jimmy Ward is saying is like, look, given how my relationship ended with Kyle Shanahan, it seems pretty likely that Jimmy Garoppolo's relationship with Kyle ended a similar way. And given how I felt, how, how, you know, borderline vindictive, I felt like, oh, you're shoving me off and you want me to make accommodations for you. Hey, screw you. That it wouldn't be outside the realm of possibilities for Jimmy Garoppolo to feel the same way. Like, hey, man, right. you're pushing me out of town. You're not going to give me an extension. You're going to make Brock the starting quarter. You're replacing me with another quarterback. And you want me to suit up and be a backup just in case my replacement can't go. And now I could go on the field and get hurt and not be able to sign elsewhere next year and move on with my life. Hey, screw you. So, I, I mean, I could see that. And I guess it's, you know, it's a business and Kyle doesn't necessarily have to have a great, super duper great relationship with every player and former player. But it's interesting. He has a reputation as keeping it real and being, a, you know, players respect them. Does he always keep it real? I don't know. GTC Real says, this is why we had no shot in the NFC Championship game left with Josh Johnson. They treated Jimmy G bad in preseason, and he was lost for the year. He only played for his teammates once Trey won out. I mean, Jimmy got something out of that, too. Let's, you know, nobody wanted Jimmy Garoppolo. And then Kyle came in, propped him up, and helped him get that contract with the Raiders. So let's not act like Jimmy, you know, didn't get anything out of the arrangement. Yeah, he didn't only play for his teammates. He also played for money. And the opportunity to make more money. Like he understood playing with the Niners was gonna goose up his numbers and give him the best opportunity to make the most. And then he and then he went to the Raiders and made a ton of money that he's never gonna earn. No, no chance at that. So it worked out. It's hideously bad. Hey, give Kyle credit. We're so I'm so critical of Kyle Shanahan. He was hundred percent right about Jimmy Garoppolo. hundred percent yes. right. Absolutely he was. Yep. And yeah, I think that's pretty clear at this point. Um, but it is interesting that the whole thing, I mean, remember Tim Kawakami wrote that if the Niners had made the Super Bowl, there was no chance Jimmy Garoppolo was going to play in it, even if he was healthy. And if Brock Purdy wasn't, they were going to go to Phillip Rivers. They were going to go to Phillip freaking Rivers off the couch in the Super Bowl. So clearly things didn't end well with Jimmy there. No, it's still bitter. I mean, the way you can know it's still bitter it was at the, um, owners meetings in March. So this is what? Like months after their breakup, someone asks Kyle Shanahan, like, hey, have you talked to Jimmy? Um, and he was like, well, that would be impossible because he doesn't answer his phone. It's like, dude, <laughs> like, let it go. He's not even on your team anymore. But it's like, nope, I got to take one more dig. Screw this guy. He did. He did throw that in there. And uh, then Jimmy took a dig at Kyle, right? Like a couple, a month ago yes. when the stuff was going down with Trey, then freaking Jimmy rode in on his high horse and was like, yeah, you know, I love Trey Lance. And I don't know what they're doing over there at quarterback. Right? Yeah. I mean, man, those guys are going to be taking digs at each other for life. Like, you know who else does that kind of stuff? I feel like, like a deep hatred for life. Jed York and Jim Harbaugh. Both guys rooting for each other. Like, whenever something bad happens to Harbaugh at Michigan, I bet Jed's like, yep, and that's why I got rid of you. And that's but, why I was right. And everyone said I was wrong. <clears throat> Jed had him back, though, right? For the, When they honored those teams. Oh, please. <clears throat> that was just PR for both of them. <clears throat> you, th- you think they still? Photo op. You really think they, like, behind closed doors, they were like, man, we were so young and immature oh, back then. No. I don't know what happened, man. Give me, hey, give me a kiss. Give me a hug. Give me, hey, you, I love you, man. No. I doubt they said a word to each other. I doubt they said a word to each other. T Moss says on MF Hood. I, yeah, T Moss. Can you explain that to me? On mother freaking hood. Like you could say, like you put that on. Like what do you put that on? Like I put it on mamas. Put that on. Okay. Sorry. Grant C. Tuss. You know what I'm saying? Put uh, that on my whole hood. All right. Uh, MGM Productions says Randy Gregory just got cut. Should the 49ers sign him, Grant? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let me check in on Randy Gregory. What's he been doing up there for a while? He signed a deal with Denver, and then they just cut him because they want to focus on younger players. So that's not, you know, the most encouraging sign. It's not like Denver's defense has so many good players they can afford to lose people. Uh, he's 30 years old. He's Man, no. year he he's had, 31. He's about to be 31. Two sacks. He's about to be 31. Bro, he's got 19 and a half sacks in his career. He has three sacks in the last two years. He's played freaking 10 games in the last two years. I don't... And I mean, you gave him the minimum if he came for the minimum, but I just feel like he's going to be a guy who ends up on IR quick. If you're expecting him to come in and get 10 sacks, like, no, you shouldn't do that. If you're saying, hey, we could use another depth piece. I don't hate if he's going to play for the minimum. Yeah, I don't hate it. Uh, But it's a niner move, right? It's a niner move. Take some kind of washed up guy who had high hopes and say, hey, on this team with these running mates and Chris Kassarek, maybe. But not for a lot of money. Randy Gregory. Eh. The most he's ever had in his best year ever was a six-sack season in 2021 for Dallas. It's six-sacks and 12. He's never played more than 14 games in a season. Guy's been hurt all the time. He's going to be 31. Like, eh. Yep. Sure, give it a shot. Whatever. Hurt guys get hurt. Hurt guys get hurt. And he's older now. Right. As you age, that just gets worse and worse. And we're in Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, hurt guys get hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo missed last week because he had a concussion. Like, it's, it's, that's what happens. It's so interesting to watch the Raiders just be like, this is so shocking. Jimmy's a winner. What's going on? Like, man, you really should have been paying attention the last five years. We could have told you this. So predictable. It's wild to oh. see what. When he drops back and those feet start moving because that first read's not out, I, I know what's going to happen. And it's so weird to watch it now and not, like, I can't get mad at it anymore because I don't need to because it's not on my team. It's just like, damn, it's it's just like it was. Yeah, you remember it, like the anxiety that you can oh. feel dripping off him as the play extends that no longer, I mean, Brock never exudes that type of anxiety. I think that's one of the best things about Brock is how confident he is at all times. Even like against Dallas, right? He may be under a ton of pressure. I don't have this feeling that he's just going to self-destruct. I have so many memories in my head of Jimmy Garoppolo not throwing the ball away, forcing it over the middle into coverage, or fumbling the ball in the backfield when he eludes one sack and he's trying to get away from pass rushers, which everybody in the world knows he can't do, and he throws the ball backwards. It becomes a fumble. Like, there is none of that with Brock. Even if he's going to be under pressure, he's not going to make a bad play worse. He hasn't so far. He hasn't so far. I mean, I think what's so impressive about Brock beyond oh, a lot of things are, but like just how freaking prepared he was and he is. Like he is on it. He knows the offense. He looks like he's 35 years old in terms of like a feel for what to do on the field. Like, Weird and the confidence of a much older man. Like he just had, he just has so many. He, he he looks like he's twelve, but his whole game is like he's thirty-five. Um, and he moves so well. Like he's incredible. They, they lucked out so much with this guy. They drafted him after Tariq Castro Fields. He was a throwaway draft pick. <laughs> they were like, should we sign him as an undrafted free agent or take him with the last pick? And eh, let's take him with the last pick because if we sign him as an undrafted free agent, he might be even more expensive and some of the team might get him. And we don't want to give him that much money. So let's just and see what happens. Like, they're so lucky. And yeah, they get credit for, you know, seeing something. But at the same time, like, they didn't see that much. They didn't see that much. This is all new did, to everyone. Drafted. Yeah. Nah. They would have drafted him way earlier. Yeah, exactly. So I, he, it's like the, the greatest surprise ever for the 49ers. It's wonderful. It's unbelievable, but it's so comforting as a 49er. Like every game that passes, again, I've said I'm not going to be naming Brock Purdy a franchise quarterback because I like to see him play for two years. 
but it is every game that passes. It is more and more comforting that my God, this is not just a fluke thing. This is not Nick Mullins. You know, this is not this kind of Shanahan propping up somebody that doesn't do anything beyond the system. Clearly there's something there beyond the system. Let's let's compare Mullins and Brock real quick. Mullins, uh, knew the system very well, had a nice arm and put up good numbers. Good. But he did not have Brock's leadership, confidence, poise. Um, and he didn't have his mobility, like none of that. Yeah. None of that. Um, before we get to the super chat, there was a really interesting thing on the broadcast. Brock apparently told the Fox broadcast crew that one of the things he does and did was he studied his teammates reactions when they weren't getting the ball. He studied them in film, you know, on film during the game. And he studied like how they came into work, their personality, their demeanor when they weren't getting the ball coming in after a week where, you know, somebody else went nuts. And he said, basically nobody cares. Like he saw no ego and that kind of freed him up a little bit. Like he didn't feel as much pressure to have to force the ball to Debo or Kittle or whoever, because everybody seemed cool with everything that was going on. And for a 23-year-old kid to do that, that to me was pretty damn surprising. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you can't praise Brock enough for how mature beyond his years he is. Like, a lot of people are immature. Like, this guy is really, 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 really mature. And it goes a long way at quarterback. I mean, you really have to carry yourself like you're a 40-year-old CEO and be above all the trappings of fame and fortune. And he seems to be so far. I mean, he's a humble, I mean, I'm not saying he's humble, but he lives with roommates. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't dress ostentatiously. He's not on social media. Like he really does carry himself like a dude who's 40 years old at 23. It's hard to find. I mean, most times you bring in a guy like, let's say Trey Lance. I don't know how mature or immature he is, but you can see how he dressed. You can see his presence on social media and you can see him, you know, at parties and stuff. It seemed like he had some growing up to do uh, that Brock didn't have to do. And maybe that's why Brock hit the ground running. One of the reasons why Brock hit the ground running and Trey didn't. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that teams are looking for that extra mature quarterback at 23. Like how many people even exist like that in the world? Yeah, Let alone in the football world. Right. He's definitely an old soul for sure. Uh, Fonzie Gonzalez says, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo still thinks Kyle's plays suck, man? If anybody remembers that <laughs> last hey, year. Man, someone needs to ask play. him that. I someone mean, needs Robert to ask him that. They're pretty good. Yup. Did yep. you? Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you that I noticed from Brock in the postgame presser after last game. He said it multiple times. The fact that he mentioned it more than once made a bell go off in my head. He said, everybody was really buttoned up this weekend on the details. Everybody. He specifically said that. And he mentioned it in more than one answer about how this week, everybody was buttoned up. I just can't help but like, was he talking about somebody specific? Was there somebody that wasn't buttoned up in previous weeks? And if so, who was it? Well, that's a good question, right? Um, He has to be because he, he like Ayuk is grinding for that big come up, that big payday. Maybe guys, there's a lot of guys on this team who've been paid. And it's early in the year. And the week before was a Thursday game. And they had a very ambitious game plan, as they talked about. They installed a lot in a very little amount of time. And the first half was really sloppy, really bad. And Brock took most of the uh, blame for that. Now, you threw a couple of passes, should have been picked. Brock, you know, it was was the worst half of football we've seen from Brock. But then he turned it around. Maybe from his perspective, it was like, yo, like we were just off as an offense entirely. Because some of you guys weren't as locked into the game plan as you should have been. I mean, maybe that's what he said. I'm, yeah, like I'm reading into it. It's just like it, the fact that he mentioned it twice. Just, you know, clearly it was something he wanted to articulate in the postgame press conference. Andrew yeah. says, not counting injuries, is the early season success sustainable into the postseason? This is the discussion you have when your team is undefeated, right? Should Is it better if they lose a game? How long can they keep this up? I hate that. I hate when they when the 49ers eventually do lose in the regular season. Someone's going to say, this was a good thing. Losses are never good. I hate that. But are they, quote, unquote, peaking too soon, Grant? No. No. I mean, yeah, no, that, that's I, – I can't. We've all been saying they need to start fast. So now they start fast. You can't turn around and be like, hey, you started too fast. You, you should right. have lost one of those games just to say that you did. Nah, the only, my only quibble, I think most people's only quibble so far with how the Niners are winning is just like a little too much CMC. 
Like if this were a recipe and they gave you like the soup and it came out and be like, it's good, but it's a little too much CMC, man. It's freaking October. Like, I don't want that much CMC in my soup until it's January. Like, you know this. Okay, this is seasonal. Can I have a little less CMC and a little bit more? Anything else? Switch it up. <laughs> I do want to point this out, though, because, again, to go back to, like, JT O'Sullivan pointed something out, too. Like, I think we assume that every time CMC touches the ball, he was the play was designed for him, that that's where it was supposed to go, that he was the first read, right? And they're on the running plays. Yeah, it's obvious. But like the, a lot of the passing plays, he's not necessarily the first read or the second read, but either it's covered right. or Brock is checking it down to him because he's such a friggin' safety blanket that he, he ends up getting the touch. So then I feel like and afterwards, people are like, Kyle's getting Christian McCaffrey too many touches. It's like, well, that wasn't right. the game plan, but that's how it worked right. out. Right, right. Like that might just be where Brock wants to go with the ball. Like he seems to really trust McCaffrey. Yeah, and Ayuk, and there was one play that JTO broke down where it was like, man, Kittle is uh, is seems clearly the number one option here for he was, various reasons that he goes through, and he runs a dig over the middle, and he's open, and he wants the ball. You can see his frustration, and Purdy just goes straight to his check down on the left, which is McCaffrey, who catches it and gains about what Kittle would have gained. Maybe Kittle would have got more. I don't know, but like he ends up getting to the point where Kittle was. And Kittle sort of claps his hands and JTO sort of wonders, what's that about? Like, and that, to me, I mean, Breeze played like that. Breeze would quickly throw the ball down to Reggie Bush or Darren Sproles or Alvin Kamara. Like, no one really second guessed him when he did that stuff all the freaking time. <laughs> it was how Brock wants to play. He did it all the time, man, and got praised for it. Drew Breeze. He did throw for like 5,000 yards a season. That's <laughs> true, though. He did. He did. He did. Wilson says Arizona ain't Philadelphia, but the schemes are the same. Is that a good warm up? Yeah, Jonathan Gannon was the D coordinator in Philly last yeah. year. And now, obviously, he's sure. head coach of the Cards. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't. But hurt. I think for Kyle sure. will tell you like we thought we were going to dice them up anyway. And but guys always think that there was a video of Jonathan Gannon before the NFC Championship game in his car yelling to some Eagle fans, we're going to gut them talking about the 49ers. So like Jonathan Gannon thought they were going to have success. Every coach always thinks they're going to have success, you know, playing against another team. True. But like what they didn't or did or didn't do against Josh Dobbs isn't necessarily doesn't bode well for the next time they face Jalen Hurts. Like Josh Dobbs got whatever he wanted. Josh Dobbs had way more success than I would expect a quarterback of his pedigree would have against the Niners. Like, and I think he's going to, I don't think Dak's going to do as well. For whatever reason, Dak just seems scared about the Niners. They're in his head. The Niners yeah. are in Dak's head. I, I posted on our YouTube channel the short of, of Dak being asked, what was the feeling after that playoff game? And he talks about how, oh, you, you're trying to piss me off. You pissed me off. Thanks for that. Jerk, jerk, mm -hmm. jerk. You know, like, it's clear that they, he knows they're going to have to beat the 49ers. He's lost two straight weeks. The games ended how they ended. I think if it happens, especially if the Niners can get an early turnover on Sunday, I think Brock's going to get in his or uh, Dak's going to get in his head again. It's going to be quicksand. I agree, man. I think Dak is just at this point where he's made so much money in the league, and he's you know had such a gruesome injury where he sort of was like staring at the end of his career. That I think, kind of like Jimmy, he's now in survival mode. And I don't like quarterbacks who are in survival mode. Like, you can feel the anxiety on them. Like, once the play extends, like, you don't really want the smoke. Like, you don't really want to run around. Like, you want to get the ball and get out of your hands quick. And that's not how Brock's playing. I understand why certain players play that way. But it's like, it's a dangerous game. You got to play with some reckless abandon and confidence that I don't see from Dak anymore. He doesn't strike me as a mobile quarterback. He strikes me as a stationary pocket passer who's okay. He started as a mobile quarterback, but you're right. Especially the injury, he has it's really. Now. And he's yeah. definitely not more mobile than Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs kind of surprised me. Like I was like, damn, he can move a little bit. Uh, so we'll see but how even it goes. Dobbs isn't even that fast. Like Dak, but Dobbs, you know, compared to Dak is freaking Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. I cannot wait. I will be in Levi's for the game. I the First freaking 49ers game for me. First NFL game for me. It's going to be so much fun. I'm just geeking out about it already. Uh, obviously, I know you'll be there, Graham. Hopefully, I can bump into you when I'm there. Yeah, absolutely. 
I'll be there three hours early and I'll be leaving three hours after. So we will see each other. There you go. Uh, like and subscribe and to the Gold Standard YouTube channel. I, I'm not promising that. Like and subscribe to the Grant Cohen YouTube channel. Uh, rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network as well. What do you got going on the rest of the day, sir? I'm going down to Santa Clara like now-ish. And Kyle will talk and locker room be open. Get a feel for where the Niners are at. And then I'll come home. And at 6 o'clock, I got Niners After Dark with Jesse Naylor. So tune in. There you go, everybody. Have a good rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you next week.